You're listening to Between Two Ravens, a Norse mythology podcast with Sean and David. Hey, Sean, how's it going? David, it's going well. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. We had a we had a bunch of snow today. It looks like it was like four or five inches of snow, and then it all melted by 10 a.m. Yeah, it's New Mexico. It's uh, spring weather already in the yeah. eastern coast. Oh yeah, how's, how is so, it for you guys out there? It's been fantastic. It's been 50, like 50 to 70 degrees. So it's, it's well enough to like go outside and enjoy the weather. Yeah. Of course, again, I know I mentioned this in previous episodes in two or three months, this means it's going to be like blistering hot and the humidity is going to be destroying us every day. Like every, t- every second we walk outside, it's going to be horrible, but right now at least the weather is good in the DMV. So. Oh yeah. I'm trying to think what else I've been up to. So, oh, this week's exciting. Cause I got two more days at my old job and then I'm entirely working for myself. So I'm definitely excited about that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. How does it feel? It feels good. I'm actually yeah, excited to get through the next two days as quickly as possible and uh, just just be uh, just hustle and, and get through them. Yeah. Yeah, and then your mind can like start looking for other things to be uh, to be upset about or to be worried about, as we as humans are wont to do, right? But I feel I feel like you're reading a lot of the uh, the Carl Jung stuff on the shadow that I'm reading because yeah, as soon as I'm done with the uh, projecting onto one thing that I'm upset with, I'm going to need something new to project onto. <laughs> yeah, I've also, I've also spent 34 years, uh, you know, in my mind, which does, which always looks for reasons to be upset. So I think <laughs> it makes sense. So that, that goes to that. That's the idea of the, uh, both the, the true self, right? With Carl Jung is the best version of yourself. It's the same for everybody, right? The best, ver- the best thing you're capable of is the best thing everyone else is capable of. And then the worst thing you're capable of is also the worst thing everybody else is capable of. So if you know that about yourself, you know that about everybody else too. That's that's one of Carl Jung's theories. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> like definitely. A good start. So what is speaking of a good start? What's your uh, drink for this week? Uh, so it's another IPA. Obviously, it's uh, called the Lunch IPA. It's from the Maine Beer Company in Freeport, Maine. I never heard of that. I, it's actually pretty, it, like, it, it's all over the place here in Alexandria. Every time, if you go to a bar, it's one of the primary like IPAs that are available. So I've had it pretty when, uh, often. It's pretty, it's expensive like for an IPA, yeah. but it's always a good go-to. Yeah. I remember when uh, Dogfish Head was a pretty big one. It was out of Delaware, right? Yeah. After. And I, I've had, uh, the, I think, the 60-minute and 90-minute um, in previous episodes as well from Dogfish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I like I always like them. And uh, anything big for you this week? What's going, been going on for you? Uh, nothing too much. Uh, I took two days off a couple weeks ago just because I, I felt I needed to. And that, w- that was enjoyable. Beth and I are going to Richmond this weekend for my 35th birthday celebration, which is very interesting because I'm excited that's my birthday. But then 35 is like such a big year where you're like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a big number. It's it's over like some kind of hill, right? It's one of the little hills. And then like 50 is probably the big hill, right? Yeah, it's it's another mini hill, but it's, yeah. it's okay. We're, we're going to get through it. And then uh, Beth and I have also been watching some TV. So we recently started the show, The Dropout, which is based on Elizabeth Holmes and her scam of a company. Have you heard of this or? No, no. That's why, yeah, I'm, I'm so disconnected oh. from things. You can, you can update me and maybe some of our audience, maybe they know well, already better than Well, me. yeah, they, they probably do, but it, it's, it's like, she was like this 19 year old, um, like soon to be billionaire. She may have been a billionaire at 19, but she oh. built this, uh, this health technology that was supposed to be able to like diagnose anything wrong with you with like one drop of oh, blood. Was it but all a scam turned, though? Maybe I did hear about it. It was that. a scam. Yeah, it <laughs> was a scam, but it's funny. because like in the podcast that came out a couple of years ago, like you, you read about like when Joe Biden was the vice president, he went into like tour everything and how like they just made it all seem like it was great when he came in and uh, i guess donald trump's uh first secretary of defense uh general mattis he was like he's like on the board and everything and yeah 
it's uh, it's very interesting to to follow. She recently got found guilty on a few cases of fraud, and like yeah. I guess her sentencing is coming up. But like anyway, the show is oh, yeah. out now, and we've list- we watched like the first two or three episodes. And we're also watching the show called We Crashed, which is with Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto. So have you heard of the company WeWork? No, no. <laughs> David, this come is, on, we, should, we should have a great podcast, which is uh, Sean explains things to David that everybody else knows about. <laughs> yeah. So WeWork is just like, uh, it's like a communal like work area where okay. every, all the big cities have like a WeWork where you would yeah. either get sponsored by your company and get to work there and work like with people from other companies, or you could pay like a subscription. And if you work from home, you'd be able to work there and you can get like um, print stuff out. You can do some, get some of those technology things you would yeah. get from an office. Yeah. Yeah. And, and their CEO was like this very eccentric person named Adam Newman. And yeah. he actually spoke at one of my company meetings oh, in yeah. 2018, which he was also, you could tell he was eccentric right then. And like, that's when I first like understood what the company was, but yeah. it's, it's pretty much about the rise and fall of his time at WeWork, which is why they call it We Crashed. And oh, yeah. I feel like right now there's a lot of scam. Uh, there's like a lot of shows out there that are based on like scams or like in this no. case, WeWork wasn't a scam. It was just like a, a very weird, like rise and fall of a company, but but I think it, it ties into all our ideas we've talked about, which is like the, you know, the, the powers of the, of the power of the word, right. And that you can deceive people with it, that it can, you can do great, good things with it, but it's also the power you can do deceptive and harmful things. So it's yeah it's what you do with it. Right. Yeah. And I think I mentioned uh, Lord Varys in a previous episode from Game of Thrones, like power resides where a person believes it resides. And oh, if yeah. somebody thinks like Elizabeth Holmes is the, uh, you know, the next big thing and she's going to like revolutionize healthcare or if like Adam Newman's going to like revolutionize like the 21st century, uh, you know, working situation. If people think that, did they, did they accomplish their goal? If that makes yeah. sense. So maybe that, I think that should be maybe, uh, you'll have to remind me to use that for our Instagram, uh, Instagram meme of the week. That Lord Varus meme. I've got to figure out something you, with that. Oh yeah. I was just going to say, are you going to put like a picture of Elizabeth Holmes and say power resides where people believe it resides and then quote sean i don't know if that's too uh too edgy if that's too dank of a meme but uh it's maybe. too it's too edgy and dank for me because i don't know yeah. what dank means and edgy is <laughs> means it's not a bad idea I, yeah probably i don't know if that's what it means i think dank means no. cool dank means that it's really it's really not funny like it's really it's really bad it's so stupid that now it's funny again okay that, cool. that's how i understand it it's that's above my you. head it's it's <laughs> i think we both might be wrong it's like us millennials like well, i think it's like uh, it's like tim and eric it's like there's three layers of irony to where it's it's a show that's terrible. It's a circle. It's circle. funny because of how terrible it is, but also it's actually just terrible. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Anyways, John, what are we going to talk about this week? Uh, so we're going to talk about what's going to be, I guess, the third uh, story in our series, The Adventures of Thor. Specifically today, we're going to be discussing the first half of the tale of Thor and friends and their run-in with Utgarda Loki. So note that Although Loki is present and will be introduced in this episode, Utgarda Loki is not the Loki that you're probably thinking of, but a giant of immense size from the East, Jotunheim, who, like Loki, the one you you are thinking of, also seems to be effective at the ancient art of illusion and trickery. So in previous episodes, we have described Thor as a very powerful character who instills fear into the hearts of his enemies, which we saw last week when the nine-mile-tall clay giant Mokrkalfi wet himself 
just from being in Thor's presence. We've also discussed how Thor can be considered a one-dimensional character who, despite all of his strength, is easy is easily manipulated, as we have seen and discussed in also previous episodes. So one thing I like about this week's episode is that we continue to understand the limits of the mighty Thor, who, with all of his power and strength, is still very prone to failure which is what I personally love about Norse mythology in general. I love the fact that the gods are not immortal and they are very flawed, um, which is why I personally can see why they may be looked at as a source of inspiration more so than gods or a god of other pantheons who are all powerful or all good. Yeah. That, uh, the thing I'll be talking about more later in the episode is the idea of archetypes, which are kind of about extremes, but, but sometimes it's, yeah, that like you can't, you know, the being that's all good. Well, if you're human, you're not all good. So how do you, what do you learn from that? You can learn a little bit from it, right? But it's only, it's one directional, right? Or one dimensional. Yeah. And if you have like a, if you have like the Christian God who is all good and all powerful, there's like no growth there. Right. And like, that's where it's like, well, we are humans. We need to grow. So you to learn from mistakes, not just to be told what to do, right? Is because you got to, you'll come upon situations where there's nothing that tells you what you're actually supposed to do, right? You got to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Would you want me to read the next section? Yeah, yeah go ahead. back to you. Yeah. So just a little bit about Loki that we'll have, we'll have more episodes in the future saying more about Loki that just like we did with Odin and Thor, we'll be, you know, explaining a lot about him through the stories. As we read the story, you'll learn more about his character, what his character is like, but he is the trickster God. And he also, you know, a good thing to know about him is that he is involved in starting or spawning Ragnarok, but there's also times where he's been a real help to the gods. So he's, he does have this, you know, he's not just evil. He has this both sides character that I think goes back, makes him a very interesting character. Yeah. So also Loki is not like Loki in this case is not one dimensional, which is, no. I think is pretty cool. Right. And that he's, I don't know if I said in there that he's a, he's a shapeshifter as well as being a trickster. I think that's, is that a major part of him, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I think so. And so that, the question sometimes comes up to me when, you know, it's, There'll be these other characters that we say is Odin, right? But we don't really, but he has a different name. And it's like, well, is this Odin shape-shifting? Or maybe it's actually Loki. Pretend to be Odin. Odin, right? I think there's <laughs> yeah. components of that in some of these stories, but I, I just like that. Yeah. I feel like 40 episodes from now, you're going to be, you're going to come back and say, you know what, Sean? I think Harbard was actually Loki. It was all Odin. Loki all along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it goes back to our uh, TV pilot. We're trying to get off the ground that it's Odin going around trolling Thor, but I, just kidding. It was Loki the whole time. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to find. I'm sure Amazon will be on board, but if not, maybe oh. maybe Netflix. You know, I was I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking the traditional TV networks, but I think yeah, Netflix will go for that. Yeah. Cool. Maybe when the traditional TV networks are so like bankrupt, they'll be like, all right, well, these guys, Sean and David, they have ten followers on on their podcast, so let's go with them. No, yeah, for the traditional networks, it needs mass appeal for the advertisers to think it's a, a safe bet. But I think Netflix can uh, you know offer us maybe uh, three episodes at least, maybe not even six episodes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So moving on to the, and, and thanks, thanks David for that. Like, yeah, Loki with Odin and Thor, as he mentioned, is going to be a character that we kind of like, um, dis- we, we explain as we go through his stories, which is going to be the next um, series of episodes that we have after our series of episodes on Thor. And I think that's the best way to kind of describe who Loki is as a character. But the cool thing is that he also features in many of these stories with Thor. So with the story of Utgard a Loki, all of it comes from the Proseta, the, the section of Proseta called Gilfaganin, which is the first section that details with actual Norse myths that may have been practiced, um, you know, 1500 years ago, but it's actually the second part of the Proseta after the prologue. So Gilfaganin, I guess the premise of Gilfaganin is that this character 
named Gangleri, who I believe is supposed to be a king of Sweden, enters this hall and speaks to three characters. One is named High, the other is named Justice High, and then the third is named Third. I believe all of them are supposed to be some aspect of Odin. In fact, in, in Grimness Small, I believe Odin calls himself Third. So Gangleri presents himself to these three beings who are on these thrones, and these beings explain Norse mythology to Gangleri. Um, so that's where we are with Gilfaganine in chapters 44 through 47. They detail the, uh, the story of Utgard-Loki. Cool. Does that, that sum it up, David? Are we ever, yeah. able to I get think started? That sounds good. Yeah, it's, it's interesting the way the um, Snorri wrote so much of the prose edda that way, where it would be like, you know, somebody coming to visit and then they're talking to, to Bragi, the poet. So it's, I think it's kind of a way for Snorri, right, to get that distance from the story. You know, he's not saying this is true. This is what happened with the gods. He's saying, you know, there's these characters and, and they told this story to each other, right? And so it's, you don't, you know, you're trying not to take, he's, he's trying not to present it like literally like the Bible, right? He's trying to say it's more just a story that people told to each other. And it's funny you say that because like with Gilfaganine, it's Gangleri talking to these three beings with Scott Skoppermal, which is the next section of the Prosetta. It's, um, it's Aegir speaking of Bragi, who is supposed to supposedly a Norse god. And then the first part of the Prosetta is the prologue where Snorri is literally writing down an actual, in his words, history of the world where God exists, but the Norse gods don't because the Norse gods are human. So it's kind of funny how you go through that progression of Snorri pretty much saying, I'm not, I don't believe in this religion because I'm Christian, clearly, because we've been practicing Christianity for 300 years. But here's what our ancestors thought, and I'm going to teach you poetry so you understand them. Cool. So to get started with this week's episode, or this week's story, excuse me, you have Thor and Loki. Again, Loki is playing a part in this. Um, he, ha- he has a very small part in the actual story from the Prosetta. But Loki and Thor were traveling with Thor's goats. And in this part of the, part of the story, Thor is, is uh, consistently described as Thor of the Charioteer. Because Thor has a chariot that is uh, led by goats. So they came upon a farm where they asked to save the night. And the farmer said yes. So Thor slaughtered his goats for a feast for the farmer and his family with the intention of saving the bones so the next morning he could bring the goats back to life the next day. Um, So in this situation, the farmer and his family is the farmer, his wife, and their two kids, Thiafi and Raskva. That's where, yeah, last week I sort of gave a spoiler to this because I was was going off of uh, Neil Gaiman's version where he kind of creates his own, a way that tells it as a, you know, he likes it as a, a nice narrative, but uh, I like getting some of the details from how the prose Edda actually does it. So this was one quote from there. Um, it said, Thor laid the goat hides farther away from the fire and said that the husband man and his servants should cast the bones on the goat hides. Thialfi, the husband man's son, was holding a thigh bone of the goat and split it with his knife and broke it for the marrow. So that's where, yeah, in Neil Gaiman's version, he says that it was Loki that made that made him do that. There's nothing about that in the original, but I think that's probably the thing Loki would do. So, yeah. And that's why I love Norse mythology, because if you look at like the multiple sources, there's so many inconsistencies, yeah. not only in the stories, but also inconsistencies in the character. In the stories that feature Loki, like, you know, damn well, he's up to something. He's, as I mentioned, he's up to no do-goodery. And in this portion of the prosetta, Loki's just there. He doesn't, 
he doesn't do anything sinister. He's actually just with Thor. And maybe you can get on, you can buy into the, uh, I guess, the thought that Loki just enjoys hanging out with Thor, which is something you can see in other episodes. But if there is something that happens in this story that negatively affects Thor, you also might as well say, oh, well, Loki had some part in that. Yeah. It didn't say why Loki's going on this adventure with him, right? He's just, yeah, he's just along for the ride. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think that's very interesting that like Neil Gaiman, um, you know, put that in his book because Gaiman's a great storyteller oh, yeah. and he's probably trying to like wrap this up to where everything is consistent, including the Norse stories, but also the characters where you may see Loki and many of the stories screw every, screw up everything well, but in this and, story he might just be there but like gaming kind of added this part where he like screwed everything up yeah and in, in this in the original it doesn't make it clear that thor told everybody like be careful don't break any bones right he's like just put the bones in the skin when you're done so that you know that maybe theophy didn't know what he was doing right or he certainly didn't like do it intentionally after being told not to yeah in my head canon um like if loki said something to him like loki probably said to theophy well yeah you want to see like have you ever heard of the paleo diet? This is Thor. And look at his abs. It's because he eats bone marrow. Oh, yeah. Well, as we'll learn about Thialfi, that he's a like incredibly fast runner, right? So this guy, he's got a high metabolism. So he's he's just hungry. He's cracking thigh bones open. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Cool. So anyway, Thialfi takes one of the bones. Um, he eats the marrow. The next morning comes, the goat was brought back to life. It had a limp. Or it might have just been like unable to walk at all. So Thor is pissed off. And as punishments, or like, I guess Thor was, uh, you know, ready to punish the family. I think in the pro set, I mentioned he's about to grab his hammer, but the family is very apologetic. And the farmer and his wife decide to give up their kids, Yafi and Raskva, to Thor to act as his servants, to which Thor agrees. No, so yeah. I think, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to read that part, but what were you going to say first? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so like right here, you see like Thor, who's very quick to anger. In this story, he was quick. He was he was about to be quick to anger, but he took pity on this farmer and his family, and he said, "Okay, well, this person crippled my goat, or this like kid crippled my goat, but he gets to work as my servant." And I think that's going to be good enough. Yeah, that, that Thor likes that idea of fairness and kind of like justice, right? A little bit like Tyr. So when he's like, mm -hmm. you know, oh, I'll sacrifice, I'll give, I'll sacrifice my children, right? I'll give my children up to you. He's like, eh, that's fair enough, right? <laughs> he's like, okay, not angry anymore. Yeah, so the. But I like the way it's the detail of the way it's written in the uh, prose edda. So it says, all may know how frightened the husband man must have been when he saw how Thor let his brows sink down before his eyes. But when he looked at the eyes, then it seemed to him that he must fall down before their glances again. But Thor clenched his hands on the hammer shaft so that his knuckles whitened and the husband man and all his household did what was expected. They cried out lustily and prayed for peace and offered in recompense for all that they had. But when he saw their terror, then the fury departed from him, and he became appeased and took of them in atonement their children, Thialfi and Roskva, who then became his bond servants, and they follow him ever since. It's interesting there, yeah, that Thor gets angry, but then he sort of sees how terrifying he is to these poor mortals, and he's like, oh, I don't yeah. actually want to smite any humans today. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because like you can look at it, like as I mentioned, like he takes pity on them, but I'm wondering how much of this is Thor happy at the fact that like, they they the family recognized his strength or they recognized how powerful he is. It could be a good, yeah. As you try to make sense of his, what his real personality is, what his real motives are. Right. But I, I certainly see that he just, uh, the archetype Thor, as I think of it, right. Is he just quick to anger, right. That's that lightning fast anger. 
but then sometimes he is able to think a little bit after, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then he's, he lets go the hammer and he's like, okay, I'm not going to kill this entire family because of my good. No. So that something about fairness is an aspect of Thor. No, I like it. Yeah. yeah and I know you mentioned like uh, honor with Thor in previous episodes. So as I mentioned in Lutzka, or excuse me, Utgard Loki, it's chapters 44 through 47 of Gilfagenin. That was chapter 44. So a pretty quick story. So we're going to go ahead and move on to chapter 45. Yeah. And then that was the one thing I forgot to mention earlier. Maybe I even said it last week, though, that idea that, you know, so we have Loki and we have Utgard Loki, that Utgard means outside the guard, outside oh, yeah. of the enclosure or the safety of the village. So basically is that like Jotunheim has their own Loki is different than the Asgard Loki, right? So yeah, like it wasn't bad enough. We have one Loki, we have two now. Yeah. And, and that's where you'll see um, next week um, when we discuss the final parts of this, like Utgard Loki, who may not appear in this episode, but like in like the second in next week's episode, Utgard Loki has the power of illusion. He is very into trickery. So like, I'm wondering like if Loki is, you know, just like a name that's given to Loki because he is a God of like treachery or trickery, but like, that's also a name given to like other beings of, you know, who have the same strengths. Yeah, And it's also the, the, the name of this, you know, being is not used like anywhere else in Norse mythology, right? It's in, within this part of Snorri's prose Edda, but otherwise that word Utgard Loki, you don't find it anywhere else. So that's kind of just interesting. Uh, yeah. And it's also funny because like when, you, well, I guess we'll, again, we'll see this next week, but like Loki and Utgard Loki are going to be present with each other yeah. and they really don't have any interaction or they have like very little interaction. Yeah. So I think that's also something uh, very interesting to me. Yeah. Cool. So with chapter 45, the four left the goats and the four being Thor, Loki, Thialfi, and Raskva. They left the goats. They traveled to Jotunheim. They crossed a body of water, and then they came to another landmass that had a forest. At this point, they were running low on supplies and looking for shelter. So they found a hall and stayed there for the night. While they were in this hall, they heard an earthquake, and they remained on edge the entire night, not knowing what the source of the noise was. In the morning, Thor left the hall and he noticed a giant sleeping. He approached with malintent until the giant woke up and introduced himself as a Skrymir. Skrymir, however, knew that it was Thor based on his reputation. Skrymir then reveals how the hall that the foursome stayed in at night prior was actually his glove, with the room that they actually stayed in being the part where the, the part of the glove where the thumb was supposed to go, where Skrymir's thumb was supposed to go. And that's where, as we talked about in some version of the stories, the Jotun, you know, the, the Jotun aren't necessarily giant, but in this version, they're very much clearly, you know, yeah, 10 times, a hundred times taller yeah. than Thor. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's very interesting because like you read these stories and sometimes like giants are not that high, like that, not that big, Yeah. but in some, in some stories, Thor can fit inside one giant's glove. That's the part that in Harbard's Lod where Odin or whoever Harbard is, is making fun of Thor saying, weren't you scared when you were in that, you know, sleeping the night in that giant's uh, glove? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and I know it depends on translation, but again, like in Harbor's Lod, which we discussed a few weeks ago, again, I was looking at uh, Jackson Crawford's version of the Poetic Edda in Sansa 26, Odin is talking to Thor and he says, you have plenty of strength, Thor, but no courage. Like a prince of cowards, you got stepped on in a glove. You didn't look much like Thor then. You didn't dare sneeze or break wind. 
for fear that the giant Fjallar may hear you. So where this is interesting is because Thor just slept in a, gro- a glove in this story, Utgard Loki. But Odin also mentions the name Fjallar, and he mentions a giant Fjallar. If you remember the name Fjallar, this actually comes from the meta poetry where one of the dwarves that initially killed Kvasir to get the meta poetry, his name was Fjallar, and his brother was like Galar or something. So I think this is very funny because in the prose edda, Fjallar is a dwarf. In poetic, in the poetic edda, it might be if it's the same being. Fjallar is a giant. I looked it up, and Fjallar actually may just mean um, may just be another word for a trickster. Yeah, he says it means the the deceiver, right? Yeah, sorry, Fjallar may just be another word for the deceiver. So I think that's where this all gets very fuzzy. Is that in these different translations, different words can mean the same thing or different things, but a lot of times, name of characters can be just like kind of a description of somebody, like Utgard Loki or Loki. And in this case, Fjallar being a dwarf who tricked Kvasir, or Fjallar being a, the giant Skrymir who tricked Thor. Yeah, and he said that also Fjallar is then the rooster that announces Ragnarok is coming, right? Yeah, so that was on something, Wikipedia. <laughs> something quite metaphorical there, right, to that, that, yeah, something about deception leads to Ragnarok, right? Well, no, that's, that's very funny, because I, I, I did look that up on Wikipedia, and I'm wondering like, if there's a rooster that's like, like yelling or whatever like, and that like brings on Ragnarok yeah. and it, it's kind of this like very comical story where or this very comical scene where like what if the rooster is lying and Ragnarok's not coming at all but because he's a trick a trickster no it's like when I realized that there's a squirrel that runs up and down the world tree giving insults from the snake and the eagle and I'm just like I, I love that they included that detail that nobody lost that little uh, little bit yeah, yeah. And then it's, I was going to Ragnarok read... is a trick by Ratatosk yeah, yeah. no that, that I was going to read this part of um, how the prose edda describes thor feeling uh, afraid of this giant that you know clearly 10 times or 100 times taller than him so it says he girded himself with his belt of strength and his divine power waxed on the instant the man awoke and rose up swiftly and then it is said for the first time thor's heart failed him to strike him with the hammer he asked him his name and the man called himself skrymir so yeah that that thor lacked courage right and and then Odin or Harbard, you know, knows that, right? But, uh, and yeah. it's funny because, like, I guess that means, uh, I know we talked about the Norse timeline, which my, my main goal is to, like, put all the stories in a timeline, like, similar to the Zelda timeline. And I know I've also messaged that. But, like, with Harbard's Laud, which we titled Thor and the Ferryman in these episodes, we know that this episode and then Thor and his duel with Frungir take place before it because Odin references them in Harbard's Laud. So it's the same thing with this. It's the same thing with with this story, but I think it's pretty funny. Cool. So after after Skrymir reveals that Thor and company stayed in his glove, Thor agrees to let Skrymir company accompany them in their group on their journey. So Thor and his friends put their provisions or food in Skrymir's bag that he was carrying. That evening, after they've spent a day traveling, Skrymir decides to go to sleep early. And he lets Thor know that he could untie his bag to eat without him because he's going to be asleep. However, Thor was unable to tie it to get the food out, which obviously, because it's Thor, he, get, he becomes angry. So now angry, Thor went to Skrymir while he was asleep and planned to hit him in the head with Mjolnir, his hammer. He did so. 
uh, Skrymir awoke and asked if a leaf had hit him in the head. So Thor was obviously upset. He waited for Skrymir to get asleep again to hit him on the head with his hammer, um, which he did. And then the second time, Skrymir thought that it was an acorn that fell on his head. So the third time, again, Thor waits for Skrymir to go to sleep so he can hit him on his, he- on, <laughs> hit him on his head with his hammer. This resulted in Skrymir asking if a birds were in the tree above him and they accidentally dropped a twig on his head. You're telling me that now it's reminding me the, the funniest part of this, right? Thor's like, you know, no one ties a bag so tight that I can't open it. And then he has murderous rage to try to kill a giant, which he knows he can do, but he can't kill him. But then if he actually did kill him, who's going to open their bag back up? Because Thor can't open it. It kind of goes back to the point where Thor has a lot to learn. Yeah. Like, what's the point of killing this giant, like for pride, right? Yeah. Um, it also reminds me of uh, the Emperor's New Groove, where I forgot the, I forgot the the villain's name, but like her servant Kronk was there, and the villain was like, "I'm gonna hit him in the head with a hammer." Like, I feel like that's Thor in this story. Maybe no, Disney. I, is- I, I see your your next point. I think is this next quote. Should I read the way it's written? How they basically uh, close up this this first half of the story? Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So it says uh, this, this Scrymere saying. I have heard how you ye have whispered among yourselves that I am of no little man in stature, but you shall see taller men if you come to Utgard. Now I will give you wholesome advice. Do not conduct yourselves boastfully, for the henchmen of Utgard Loki will not well endure big words from such swaddling babes. But if not so, then turn back, and I think it were better for you to do that. But if you will go forward, then turn to the east. So he's basically saying, if you know, if you think I was big, there's much worse giants if you keep going the way you're headed. Yeah, but he's he's giving like Thor and company a chance to turn around, which I think is very interesting. He, um, he acts it, like yeah, he doesn't he doesn't know that they've been trying to kill him, right? I I, I don't think he lets on that. But then, uh, yeah, they went into this thing about like you know don't be uh, boasting about how great you are. You know, clearly you're. Yeah, he doesn't do that, but he also like gives them some indication that he's not an idiot. Like he says, I know you've been whispering among yourself. Among, among yourselves and like I'm here I can hear what you're saying about me even if yeah even and if he's he, a, a hundred feet away because he's a hundred feet tall right <laughs> yeah so I think this is very interesting like first of all this is the end of uh chapter 45 yeah. um so next week we're gonna discuss chapter 46 and 47 to tie up Utsgar to Loki but I think there's a lot to unpack in uh in chapter 44 and 45 which we just discussed um you can see that Thor is being tested in this case, maybe not by Odin or Loki, but the giant version of Loki, which would be funny if, like, for the third consecutive episode, David, we decide that Utgard Loki is actually Odin in disguise and Odin is still testing Thor. But, like, this is. No, it doesn't seem like clearly, this time. Yeah, I don't think so. But it seems like a very uh, good lesson for Thor. Like, Thor, at no fault of his own, his goat got crippled. He had to leave his goat behind. The goats that he ate, by the way. I kind of put this connection together between this story and then what we're going to discuss next week in the second half. But Thor, like his goats are gone. He ate his goats every night for sustenance. Right. And then they left without the goats because one of them was had a limp and couldn't travel. And then where he gets pissed off is the giants ties the bag with their food to where he knows Thor cannot open it. Yeah. And so Thor becomes hangry. And then tries to kill the giant, which he can't do. And like the like the giant obviously knew it was happening. Yeah. So Scrymere knew it was happening. And he was like, well, no, like 
you can eat the food if you want, but you just got to get in my bag. And I know you can't. Yeah. Um, no, the, and they, he was trying to be helpful. He's like, well, listen, I'm, I'm very big. I can carry all of your food in my bag. But yeah, that the Thor is uh, that irrational because he's hangry. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I almost tweeted from our account today. I was like, Utgard Loki is a, is a story about how Thor is hangry because his goats are gone. I think so. I think we should actually tweet that out. Yeah. I'll do it. I, I feel like it's, I feel like we could, be do, we could do better, but maybe I'll just do that. No, I'm not sure how many people have, uh, I didn't immediately think that. So I don't think everybody's aware of that, that part of the story. I mean, it makes sense. And then there's like another scene in next, uh, the next uh, episode that kind of goes in line with that. But I, David, I am curious as to like what your thoughts are on this like uh, version of the story, the first two chapters. First part, yeah. The, the main thing that it led me thinking about is, you know, it started talking about last week about archetypes, right? And, and yeah. Thor as, that Thor is also the hero archetype, right? So he's, you know, he's this god of, he's this god of thunder. He's kind of like a sky god, right? But he's a little more complicated. But it's where, you know, I don't, I don't think Odin quite as much doesn't really go on these heroic journeys, right? He goes on, like we talked about sort of the, the shaman uh, journey, but it's a little different than Thor going out and finding enemies and defeating them, right? I was reading from Joseph Campbell. It's the book, The, the Hero with a Thousand Faces, about how this yeah. hero archetype shows up in every culture. One of the things he says is that the hero represents change, like the constant transition of the moment. So rather than representing like the past or the future, the hero is, you know, our, our present moment, kind of like our consciousness. It's an idea from, I think, Greek philosophy, again, that the present moment doesn't really exist. It's just a constantly, the moment that has gone to the past and the next moment that becomes, and it disappears again as quickly as it arrives, is essentially one way to look at the present. Um, it's interesting because Odin's very focused on the past and the future, right? He's worried about Ragnarok. He's worried about that his son's going to die, that Baldur is going to die, right? Um, yeah. And yeah, like he's also worried that he's going to die as well. Right. Yeah. And, and he's sort of, you know, I, th I think he would go back in time to change the past if he could, right? Uh, Odin's not as much living in the present like Thor. The part of what Thor represents as a hero too is like changing society or changing something. Maybe part of it is, is the thing I've been thinking about a lot lately, the hero and reading about the hero as like that part of yourself that changes yourself or improving yourself, but also maybe improving society, right? Like talking about last time when he kills the greatest of giants, now the rest of the world's a little bit safer, right? And then, but then the yeah, author is an archetype besides the part of him that's a represent, you know, is, is the hero archetype that he's, that Thor is very, very powerful. He's destructive. He's kind of foolish too, right? He doesn't think things through, right? But it's sort of that like extreme power that comes from not having to care so much about the consequences, right? You can be that extreme. So that question, like, is Thor going to learn his lesson, right? Like, I think, <laughs> I don't think particularly, right? Then I think he wouldn't be Thor, right? Um, but, a, but a human hero, I think, does. That's part of their process, right? But Thor is just the perpetual, always the hero, never quite uh, moving forward beyond that. Now, I was thinking of reading another uh, thing about Water Jar, an update from Water Jar Boy. I was going to ask about that. I, I, read, I read your notes, and I was yeah. like, he's making this Water Jar character up. <laughs> it's really in, it's in joseph campbell's book you can find it no and, and then the, there was an update i'm like well i gotta update everybody on i thought the story was over and there's more about water jar boy should i go into that yeah uh, so wait just to tie back in like so thor and his archetype archetype you're tying that into water jar boy water jar boy is the hero archetype so that's where thor is somewhat like the hero archetype but thor is yeah. very much the thor archetype right he's this this anger destructive anger you know all powerful destruction right where Water Jar Boy is a hero, but a very different kind of hero, right? That's part of why I like to present him. He's yeah, an innocent hero that is not going to kill you with your hammer right. on a whim if he feels like it. Yeah, no, but he but he has the these heroic qualities that Thor has. Some of those heroic qualities, but Thor is like this extreme. 
a blog post that I'm, I think I'll post this week. It's talking about, I'm reading about an idea within Jungian theories on what does it mean to be like possessed by an archetype, right? Almost possessed by a God, possessed by a demon. That's a, an idea in mythology. It's kind of an idea in some religions. We even talked about that before, right? Psychologically, what would that mean, right? So you think if a person is possessed by Thor, that's very destructive, right? You think about, you know, people when they're not in their right mind, they're very reckless. They're not thinking things through. They're destructive. Then they're, you know, I would say of this archetype that is uh, Thor, right? And yeah. there's something about that that can be useful, right? It's needed, needed to have um, some things have to be destroyed, right? If we talked about that change in society, right? There's things that we don't want them to be that way anymore. So there must be destruction for there to be rebirth, right? You know, so to like use sort of that power of anger and changing things is good sometimes it's needed, but if it becomes overwhelming, then that's, that's a problem. And that's, as I, as I think about what these different, I think that I talked before about that idea, like the archetypes of the, the father and the son, right. And then there would be the hero and the magician, right. So that's Thor and Odin kind of, right. As mm-hmm. uh, the hero and then the magician, the idea is that those are extremes, right. So for people to go to any of those extremes is kind of unhelpful. The, I think I said before, the father archetype might be something like tear, right. Which would be overly self-sacrificing, right? That's the, when you're sacrificing for others, well, that, that's a good thing. But if you're always doing that, then you leave nothing of yourself, right? And that's where tear kind of disappears from these stories, right? Maybe, maybe that's why, right? But then Balder is described in some places as like the perfect God, the perfect man, that besides just that he's beautiful, he's got a little bit of courage like Thor. He's, you know, Odin's his father. He has a little bit of Odin's wisdom, yeah. um, but he has he's not in the extreme. I would say he's kind of maybe like right in the middle. Cause it seems like he's sort of not really the God of anything. Baldur's like not that interesting, except that Odin is so hurt when his uh, perfect legitimate son is killed. Right. Yeah. But I think that's because he's sort of, you know, in some ways he's boring. He's average. He's right in the middle. Maybe that's a healthy way to be a person of balance. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe water jar boy is a little more balanced. I'm trying to think why, why I have the urge. I need to tell everybody about water jar boy. We'll, we'll do like a, I don't know, comparing or like a pros and cons list of water jar boy yeah. and then Thor and Odin. And uh, that could be what we tweet next time. It right. could be like a well, Venn diagram or something. Well, it comes in that, yeah, this one is about where um, water, should I read the story? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. He's a, he's a hero story from the Pueblo Indians. It was their mythology, their their stories of kind of their their culture, kind of like their god uh, figures. I don't know if that's a fair way to describe it, but but it's their of their mythology. And he was a little boy who was born to the his, his mother was you know uh, out collecting clay one day, and then all of a sudden she discovered she was pregnant, and so it was kind of like uh, I made the parallel to the virgin birth that she hadn't hadn't been with a man, but she gives birth to a little clay jug who talks, but he doesn't have any eyes or arms. Eventually his grandfather takes him out hunting and he's just a jar, but he manages to roll after a rabbit and crash himself open on a rock. And then there's a little boy inside the jar. Uh, So this is probably a story where he's, you know, grown up a little further. And one day water jar boy, he asks his mother, who is my father? And she says, she doesn't know. And he asks again, and then she starts crying. And then he says, where does my father live? I'm going to go find him tomorrow. And his mother pleads for him not to go. And she says, I was never with a boy, so you cannot have a father to find. And he says, I know where he is. I'll go find him tomorrow. So water jar boy, he heads walking up the stream uh, from his home, and he comes to a lake where the spring originates, and he sees someone walking. So water jar boy walks up to the man, and he says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to see my father. Who is your father? Well, my father lives in the spring. You will never find your father. Well, I want to go in the spring. My father lives in there. Who is your father? And then water jar boy says, 
well, I think you're my father. How do you know that I'm your father? Well, I know you are. And then the man stares at him for a while as if he's trying to scare him. And water jar boy says, you are my father. And he says, yes, I am your father. I came out of the spring to meet you. And he puts his arm around water jar boy and they went down into the spring. So Sean, what do you think of that story as a, as a hero's story? What, what, what do you think of it? Again, like I know last week I mentioned that it's like a very Disney type of story where somebody's yeah. like told, no, you can't do this. You can't do this. Well, I'm going to do it and I'm going to grow as a result of it. But it's like with the water jar boy, he knows what he wants and he's not going to stop at anything to get what he wants. And he wants to find his father in this case. And I think last week it was, he wanted to find, he wanted to be able to like hunt rabbits or something like yeah. that. Or he just wanted to break out of his shell that right. his parents put like around him to protect him. Yeah. He, he, he wanted to go do what other boys do. And his mom was like, you're just a clay jug. You'll get broken if you go out anywhere. And he's like, well, yeah. I want to go anyways. And grandpa's like, you know, fine, I'll take you. Why not? Right. Yeah. And, and, like, and it's, it's like, I know I mentioned last week, it's a very, like, it's like a great story arc for a hero. I'm wondering if you took the water jar boy and compared him to Thor in this episode, he knows what he wants. And I think the reason he wants to go into Jotunheim in the first place is to kill giants. Yeah. He experiences, he experiences a setback with Thiafi eating his goat's bone marrow to where he can't like resurrect him. Right. And then without the goats, he still goes into Jotunheim. He encounters this giant who is very intimidating. And the giant like says, well, you just slept in my glove and you want to go to meet more people like me. Like, why would you want to do this? And then, um, and then and Thor gets afraid, right? He lacks courage in that moment, right? Yeah. But he like, he ultimately still like will decide to do to go. So I think it's funny because like, I think it, like the hero's journey, you like have so many people telling you as a hero, no, you can't do that. Right. And, and, and it's like, you see this in Disney movies all the time, or you right. see this like with Thor, but like, you know, you have to be bold to like really accomplish what you want. Oh yeah. That, that, that was my main, like, you know, what, what do I think of water jar boy, right? That he's stubborn, right? But that's his heroic <laughs> trait, right? He's not going out destroying anything, right? But he is, he's courageous in that fact that he doesn't give up, right? Yeah. Like you said, he knows what he wants. And that he sort of trusts himself, right? He knows something to be true. He has no way of being able to tell, to know that that's true, right? There's no, there's no evidence, right? This goes back, we talked about kind of like uh, intuitive thinking or even like irrational thinking with the runes, right? Because it's like nothing's, nothing's rational or logical about the runes, right? But, but Water Jar Boy, you know, whether he had a dream or just something in him, right? Tells him, no, that my father lives down in the spring, right? And it's, mm -hmm. and he just goes with it, right? And then there's, there's this other kind of image that stands out to me that he goes down into the spring, right? Kind of like Odin going into the underworld, right? He sort of is going to something yeah. that's deeper spiritual. But I, I take that what I like about the Water Jar Boy story is that it makes it more clear that somewhat this hero's journey might be an internal battle rather than destroying giants, right? External yeah. fighting things. I mean, that's very true. Like, I think to that point, like we are, I think everybody to some extent experiences um, imposter syndrome. Or like, if you want to, if you want to let go and like pursue like something better, there's going to be something holding you, holding yourself back. And it's usually what's in your mind. Like, yeah. well, why would you want to do that? Like, why would you want to like risk what you have right now and lose it all for the sake of taking this next step? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll figure out some point how to tie in more things from Joseph Campbell. He talks a lot about, you know, different religions and especially like Buddhism and Hinduism and some of their ideas around like Nirvana and finding peace through kind of like by accepting those things is how you overcome the fear, right? Something like that. Uh, mm. so it's, 
well, I haven't thought immediately how to tie that in, but I'm definitely going to keep bringing it into Thor and his hero uh, adventures. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Anything else, John? I think that's all I had. One thing that we can cut it out with one thing I wanted to tell you was that uh, how Mike really wanted us to do a, a reading with the different voices. The part I thought that would be funny is the part where, you know, Thor just smashes him in the head with a hammer and he's like, oh, there's a, an acorn fell on my head. What was that? Acorn? <laughs> Maybe that could be like a midweek episode or something. Yeah, I don't know if we should record that, but I think uh, I think people would get a kick out of it. I, I'm not I'm not opposed to it. We can definitely we can definitely consider that. We'll consider that. No, but that's uh, that's all I got for tonight, Sean. Anything else? No, no, that's all I had. I think it's a, a short but sweet episode, and uh, it's a good uh, introduction to Utgard and Loki. We uh, introduced some of the themes that we're going to see in this story. And uh, next next week, we're going to be discussing chapters 46 and 47. Have a good night, Sean. Yeah, you too. Thank you, uh, David, and thank you, everyone else. Bye.